Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Rodcast, mornings 6 to 10 on The Horn. The Horn. Back to the broadcast. It is a freak flag, feel good, fake it till you make it. Ric Flair, woo! 512 Friday edition of the broadcast with myself, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers, and my man Patrick Davis. Patrick Davis is the idealionary. He's the one that came up with 512 Fridays when we uh, give a shout out to some very talented local uh, bands and artists who are performing right here in the ATX. And my man Patrick lets you know exactly how you can go enjoy their talents. Who we jam right now patrick this is the peterson brothers and they're going to be play saturday down at the continental club oh i like that nice i know what the continental club is mm-hmm. still Sounds around like still time. around yeah it's been around <laughs> a long time long time that's a beautiful thing when you've got because uh, in austin you know a lot of those uh, iconic uh establishments uh have uh, gone by the wayside uh since covid and a lot of other things so glad to uh have the continental still around and my man patrick always makes you look good make you look cool in front of all your friends you can act like you know where all the other uh, best uh talent is playing in austin and you can take your friends out on the town and uh like i said though they'll, they'll think you're really cool you ain't even gotta let them know where you where you found out all these bands are playing or found out all this information about them my man patrick does all the hard work for you and he's doing the hard work for me too uh because my man patrick doing a great job he's basically got like five jobs around here uh but uh, appreciate my man patrick and all the hard work he's doing appreciate you too specs text lines the best way for you to keep up with the show uh 512-447-3776 that's number to the text line uh you can uh, text us there to keep up with the show uh you also can watch the show I believe, Patrick, do we have a link to watch the show on the website or watching on YouTube? Where uh, we it should be. I think it's on the website, too. I, okay. could, I, I haven't checked it in a minute, but it should be on Twitch and it should be on YouTube. I believe you just there searched you the Horn Austin on either That's one right. of those. You should be able to find us. Uh, there you go. Uh, so yeah, you can you can consume the show in a lot of different ways. Uh, so go check out uh, the link, or go check out check it out on the YouTube page for the Horn. All right, so we got a lot to get into. We'll, we'll review Byron Murphy's combine performance of Andre Sweat and Jalen Ford. Uh, we we'll also look forward to JT Sanders because JT Sanders is going to uh, do on field drills today because DBs and tight ends are performing. Uh, we'll get to Horn headlines here in a second. In Raj Rand of the day, I'll get to those uh, macro external factors that are going to uh, affect the draft stock of the Longhorns coming out. We'll get to that when we get into Raj's rant of the day. But before we do any of that, let's check the headlines, the horn headlines with my man Patrick. All right, your horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals. 
Uh, Suns outlast the Rockets last night, 110 to 105. Jalen Green puts up 34 points. Jabari Smith Jr. adds in with 11 points and 16 rebounds. Young core for the Rockets doing some good work. Uh, but Devin Booker, Kevin Durant doing too much. Uh, combining for 59 points against the Rockets. Rockets only shoot about 30-30% in the game. Can't get it done. Lose 110-105 to to the Rockets. The Spurs, in their return home after the rodeo road trip, get a big win over the number two seeded in the West, Oklahoma City Thunder, 132-118. to SGA, 31 points in the game, but not enough to compete with Victor Wembanyama. 28 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists, and 5 blocks. Wimby was quite thrilled uh, after the game to get that numbers and get the big win. Uh, had some big threes and a big block down the stretch for the Spurs to get the win there. Uh, in men's basketball, Texas taking on Oklahoma State on Saturday, looking for back-to-back wins for the first time in over a month. I uh, have not had back-to-back losses or back-to-back wins for Texas in the month of February. Hoping to turn that around with a win over Oklahoma State to build off that road win over Texas Tech uh, last week. Uh, hopefully they'll get a win over Oklahoma State, a matchup they should win over an Oklahoma State team. Uh, Texas women's basketball will be taking on BYU in their final game of the regular season on Saturday at 7 p.m. And they're doing the 10K for 10K. Uh, if 10 thousand people buy tickets and come out to the game for Texas women's basketball. Vic Schaefer will be donating uh, $10,000 to the Neighborhood Longhorn Foundation uh, and support the women's basketball team. Tickets are only $9 and $15. You can go check that out there. And Texas baseball is heading down to Houston for the Astros Foundation College Classic at Minute Maid Park, taking on some big teams. Number three, LSU tonight. LeBaron Johnson Jr., your projected starter for tonight. They'll be taking on Texas State with Charlie Hurley taking the mound on Saturday. And on Sunday, number nine in the country, Vanderbilt, will be taking uh, will be going up against Cody Howard on the mound for the Longhorns. And that is your Horn Headlines. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Come enjoy food, beer, and the best deals of the year on all zero-turn mowers and steel lawn equipment in stock at both locations March 22nd and 23rd. Topgun.net, we'll shoot you straight. All right, let's talk about Byron Murphy first uh, because the anticipation uh, surrounding Byron Murphy uh, was it was widespread. Everybody had been talking about Bruce Feldman uh, was one of the, uh, the draft analysts talking about Byron Murphy and how he was expected to have a freakish workout. He did not disappoint. He had a measured in at 297, so a little bit under 300 pounds, six foot. Uh, as my man Patrick mentioned, I believe that probably was intentional. He probably wanted to come in and test really well. So he probably plays a little bit uh, heavier than that, maybe probably five pounds heavier than that. But at 33-inch vertical, that's second among the D tackles. Uh, puts him in the 88th percentile. He had a 4.8740, which uh, damn near 300 pounds, three pounds shy of it. Really impressive. That was third among D tackles. Uh, his 10-yard split was fourth among uh, the D tackles. His broad jump was sixth among D tackles. Um, You go look at it, there are several scouts, draft analysts, Matt Miller being one of them at NFL Draft Scout, who remarked that Byron Murphy's uh, workout was so impressive that he ranked Byron Murphy number 13 on his big board, just overall rankings of prospects coming out. And he said, quote, I'm worried that's too low. Uh, Lance (laughs) Zerline, after the Washington workout, compared him to Ed Oliver. Uh, which is a really good comparison. That's a guy, D-tackle, that was drafted really high, undersized D-tackle, drafted high. The NFL.com has what they call their athletic scores, where they have uh, an overall score for the uh, for the players. So the overall score for 
uh, Byron Murphy was 84. He was first among D tackles. His athletic score was 86. That was second among D tackles. His production score was 79 after his combine uh, workout, which was second among D tackles. Uh, so, I mean, Mel Kuyper has projected him as his number 13. Uh, sorry, draft. Uh, sorry, his latest mock draft. He's going 13 overall. Uh, in Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft, and Daniel Jeremiah has him number 22 on his big board. That's before the workout. The assumption is now after this workout, Patrick, that his stock is going to increase even more. And, you know, he being the best pass rushing D tackle in this draft and now confirming he's got quick feet. Yeah. He's got violent, powerful hands. Uh, and he's got a, you know, really, really just the, the stature and the frame to anchor against double teams and to beat. He's got the agility to beat one-on-one uh, blocks. And I think that's why his draft stock is increasing. There's no question about it after that workout. Yeah, and I mean, he, he's one of those people that if you look at just the physicality and the physical traits that he has, he's jumping up on your boards because you think, man, I would love to have this guy on my team, and I could build on him, and I, you know, with what we teach, we can make him even better. And then the flip of that, you see what he's done on film, and you see, you know, his ability and the technique he already has, and you think this guy could be playing for us next season and playing big minutes for us next season. Which, especially if you're a top ten pick, you're normally going to be playing next season because you know they don't necessarily have the rotation that they need. But I think that he moves up those boards when simply you look at it, and there's there's just not the negatives on Byron Murphy, and pretty much. Anyway, he's also talked about as one of the best uh, in meetings. They said he had the best meetings in yeah. the in the of the defensive lineman. So if you say this guy's got the mental part down, he's got the physical part that he's the best athlete at the defensive tackle position, and he's got the 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 framework of Bo Davis teaching him and all those pieces. You put it all together, uh, you know, it's hard to say that if you need that position, if you need somebody to come in, that you would look past him. For an edge, even or you know, maybe you go out there and you go. Well, we need a DB, and you go. Well, there's more DBs. There's one of one, Byron Murphy. Yeah, uh, Tony Pauline, who does uh, draft analyst work uh, for Sports Sportscada, he, he he said that Byron Murphy was the most physically impressive defender this morning uh, during the media session. I'm told he already has 25 official meetings in Indy, uh, and he's saying he's hearing the Vikings are going to take him at 11. Uh, if he goes that high. I mean, this is probably this is before the workout. Mind yeah. you. This is during the media sessions and everything. Um, after that workout, if he had him going as high as eleven, and people are saying his drafts like increasing, he could be the first defender off the board. Uh, this his RAS score, which is a relative athletic score, has him at nine point oh eight out of ten, um, which basically ranks him one hundred and fiftieth. Out of 1,620 D tackles that they've graded from 1987 to 2024, it's pretty damn good. He's elite in his vertical, broad jump, 40, and 10, and 20-yard splits were graded out as elite. Um, he had below average height and weight. So, I mean, he's he's six foot 297. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. But uh, right now, Byron Murphy, he's trending toward potentially being maybe the first defender off the board in the draft. Uh, Actually, my man Sims, uh, along with Pro Football Talk, had a sit-down with Byron Murphy. Now, this really doesn't have any great nuggets in it, but I think it's really cool audio because I think it kind of describes Byron Murphy's playing style, and I think my man Sims might have hit the nail on the head. Here it is. 
Now, right. Chris has developed a stat. We have yet to get it recognized by the Elias Sports Bureau as an official stat, but it's called f- up the play. The play up stat, right? So you guys get in the backfield so much, you, you make disrupt these plays, everything. You disrupt the play. Yeah. How many like, of you didn't have a tackle for a loss do you in have the a game? game? Man, we had a lot. Yeah. <laughs> when did you know you were Johnny Freak of Nature? Been knowing that ever since I was a child. I always been. Just You've always had the rocked up. Rocked up. Eight I, years old, you yeah, were like everyone's like, damn, he's got I, muscles. Yeah, I came out swollen. So like, <laughs> I've, I've been like this. I really been like this my whole life. If yeah. we were to look at film from one game, what's the game you'd want us to look at? Alabama. I was just disrupted the whole game from first to f- in order. the play up. Yeah. In the play up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just feel like I was just just causing havoc, just raising havoc the whole game. Make a t-shirt. After play up. After play up, man. I came out swole. I like that too. I came out swole. Just came out swole. That that's uh, like the he... uh, f around find out, and there yeah. you got. That's true. I like that. Yeah, all those after together. Play up, man. It's like uh, tat a club up after play up after play up. <laughs> they should just make a song about it. Uh, all right, Tavondre Sweat effed up a lot of plays too, and uh, I, I expected Tavondre Sweat to come in a little bit lighter. I was wrong about that. Uh, he came in at nearly six five, six four, and four ace, three hundred and sixty six pounds. Uh, and he looked every bit of it. He looked massive. He was huge. Maybe it was a there was a shock and awe, I think, yeah. uh, factor with Devontae Sweat once you saw him, and it made sense because you just don't see a lot of human beings that size uh, at the NFL Combine. I mean, if you look at it overall, he was tied for the 11th heaviest player to enter the NFL Combine since '99. <laughs> uh, Warren Sharp uh, tweeted out that D tackles weighing 355 plus pounds to combine since 2000. There have only been three of them, and one of them is Tavondre Sweat. Um, if you look at the players to weigh 350 plus pounds at the combine since '99, you got five of those guys. That's it. He was he, he came in as a massive human, big humans. What Sark talks about, he likes Tavondre Sweat was a big human, but he ran 527 in the 40. He did, and, and I mean, everything he did, you know, there wasn't a point in it, in any the drills you watch or anything else, where he looked like he couldn't compete at that level. He was a spectacle at everything he did. You know, it's that Andre the Giant mentality yes. of a guy where yeah. when you see him come in, anything he does, if he does a normal, you know, if he kicks somebody in the stomach, it looks like, oh my God. That guy is going to die. And we, there was like, I don't know. And by the way, how much would you take you to pay you to be one of those guys when they're holding the bags and the drills? Man. Those guys were getting abused. Watch. And when Tavondre Sweat went in there, he missed they the bag. a helmet. He missed the they bag a little bit. That poor man looked like he was oh. about to get taken. I was like, just cowering away and hiding. One gets yeah. popped in the face with the bag. His bag got hit too hard. Yeah. Yeah. They should wear headgear. They should. I think they're going to have to now. They didn't want to look like idiots out there, but you're going to have to with those big men. But everything Devondre did when you just watched him do it, even the 40, you know, it's a 5-2-7. And if you put it you know, on film with other guys and it looks slower, but it didn't look slow. You know, it, it, it still look looked like a big man moving faster than you would ever want to see a big man moving at you. Like, Never. I can tell you, there's not a quarterback in the league that if you put him at the end of that 40 would not have moved. Oh, you know what I mean? Like that guy's running away real quick. No, you're right. No, it's a, it, it was impressive to see 366 pounds move at that speed. Uh, it, it was the last. It was the last ranked 40 among yeah. D tackles. But you know that wasn't the point. I think that was. It was about shock and awe. 
Um, remember, he was actually like promoting his forty and uh, joking about it before the uh, the combine. And RG three tweeted out that you know at his size, if he was one hundred eighty pounds, that's the equivalent of a guy running a four two. So it, it looked good, but I don't know if he increased his draft stock at all. But he's a the question for him is whether he can be a three down player. That's still a question. He probably won't answer that until he plays in the league. You know he's a dominant run stuffer. Hell, look how gargantuan he is. He can just he can take up multiple gaps just with yeah. his sheer size alone. But can he be a guy that on third down, on the passing downs, predictable passing downs, second long, third downs, can he be a guy that can be a pressure defender? Can he go from being an elite run defender to being someone that can also penetrate and be an elite pressure defender? That is the question. That is not a question with Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy, they believe, can go back and forth. He's an elite pass rusher, but also can be an elite run defender, um, and that's what he projects as. At Tavondre Sweat, I think he, he projects to be elite in one of those. He's the best run-stuffing defensive tackle in this draft. The doubt, uh, the doubt centers around whether – he, he, at 366 pounds, can he be a three-down player and play on those passing downs yeah. and be an impact player? And, and I think that's kind of where they want to see, and this will be in drills in Pro Day, too, of if they double-team you, can you push them back and push the pocket and try and collapse the pocket? Where Even if you're not getting yep. pressure where you're going to sack him, can you make him get out of the pocket where now – uh, one of our edges or one of our linebackers can come out and get him or make the play and, and take the play off timing or any of that. I think that's more what you're looking for, Tavondre. You don't necessarily need – because he doesn't have the moves that Byron Murphy has. Byron no. Murphy has all the moves to get off of those blocks. Tavondre doesn't necessarily have all those moves, but he has a brute strength that if you give him a one-on-one, you know he can collapse that pocket. But in a double team, does he have the the brute force at 366 – to push back two guys and collapse that pocket, try and get the quarterback to move out and take him off his timing. Yeah, he can. I mean, both these guys can take on double teams really yeah. well. That's not a question. The question is for Tabundre Sweat. Yeah, can he be? And he was in college. You saw you saw him penetrate and yeah. become a pressure defender. Uh, can he do that at the NFL level? I think he can. I think he can, and he'll prove that. The weight will be the question. They don't want to see him go above three seventy. Yeah. I, I imagine that no matter what team he goes to. And he says he's comfortable playing at 365, which is what he played at at the Senior Bowl when he turned uh, a lot of heads at the Senior Bowl. But both these guys are going to make a lot of money in the league. I, I pointed this out, and I'll get into this uh, a little bit later in Rod's round of the day coming up in the 9 o'clock. But if you look at the highest paid interior, highest paid defenders, period, in the NFL in 2023, the top 16, eight of the top 16 were interior defensive linemen. Uh, if you look at the top 12 uh, defenders and uh, in, in their average and, uh, sorry, in terms of guaranteed money they were paid in their contracts. So just uh, the highest paid defenders in terms of guaranteed money spent, six of the 12 were interior defensive linemen. This is not considered a premium position, and yet teams now understand that they have to have a run-stuffing slash pass-rushing interior D lineman, yeah. and that's worth a lot of money if you find a guy that can do both. Now, if you can only do one, then, yeah, you're paid accordingly. Right? You're, you're a situational player. You're either a pass-rushing specialist or you're a run-stuffing specialist. You, the Cowboys drafted Mozzie Smith because they wanted somebody to be both when you draft a guy that high. Um, you don't draft a guy that high who's just a run-stuffing specialist. So for Tavondre Sweat, that's why his draft stock may drop a little bit. Byron Murphy's stock is going to rise, though, as a result yes. of that because they, they pay money for pass rushing ability. It's almost as a defensive lineman 
is considered a prerequisite. Like it's always it's considered something that is a base requirement that you stop the run these days. Yeah, That's exactly. Like basic as an NFL defensive lineman. But if you could add value, the added value would be if a guy that can rush the passer too. Yeah, and I mean that's the reality. Yeah, because they're and they also know it's like they're just going to run away from you at a certain point, and yes. you have guys that Micah can run Parsons. Away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they go. We're, we're just going to run to the side that Mike is on, and if you're you're clogging up the middle, that's fine. But yeah, on those third downs, on you know, on a down where we're going to play action, are you going to be able to come through the middle and still wreak havoc and throw us off our off the timing of our routes and throw us off the time and get, try and make the quarterback scramble and all of that. That's a question for Devondre, but I think that's where you know he could be a draft fit guy where they really just need someone to help stop the run in a team and yeah. everyone else they wanted was kind of taken off the board and so they don't go best available in the first round. They take a guy that they feel comfortable having on their roster for the next four years in Devondre Sweat. I think that's kind of right now, unless he has an amazing, amazing pro day uh, where he'll fit in if he falls the first or go, climbs up to the first. Most likely, though, is a second-round pick of where somebody comes in. A little less, uh, you know, liability if he does balloon up in weight, if they feel like, you know, where he's on that verge, where they're a little bit more worried about his health, that if he gets up to 380 on an offseason and comes back into camp and he's, you know, overweight and those types of things where they want to build in more protections, if you put him in the second round, that guaranteed money's gone. It's a little bit more of a drive for somebody to make sure you stay that type of player. Yep. No, I agree. Um, that's the only question. But I, I do think Tavondre Sweat yeah. will be taken early in the second round at the latest. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But a lot of people think he should be a first round. I remember Jim Nagy saying that before the draft that he, he didn't think he should drop out of the first round. Uh, Mel Kuyper really likes uh, Tavondre Sweat, too. We didn't see <clears> – <throat> excuse me. We didn't see uh, Jalen Ford run any of the uh, the drills. He did the broad jump. And he did the uh, vertical jump. He had a he had a ten. Uh, excuse me. He had ten. Uh, I believe a ten seven broad jump, which had him fifth overall. So a really good broad jump for him. And he had a thirty three and a half inch vertical, uh, which was eleventh amongst the linebackers. He must have tweaked something during those workouts because we did not get any results from him on the other agility drills. So I'm assuming that he's going to do those at Pro Day. Um, and Jalen Ford, uh, I'm sure, may be impressed at interviews. I expect Jalen Ford to be drafted where he's going to be drafted, anywhere yeah. from third to fifth, third to fifth, maybe even sixth round. That's where off-ball linebackers are drafted, guys. I know people don't like it, but unless you're a freak at off-ball linebacker, you don't get drafted in the first round. I mean, Dre Greenlaw is a fifth-round pick. Fred Warner was a third round pick i mean uh chanel the linebacker for uh the the chiefs that made the that, that blocked the extra point uh in the super bowl i mean that guy's a third round pick i think bolton they're the running they're the linebacker maybe a second round pick but that's where off-ball linebackers are usually yeah. drafted just because of the value of the position and i think that's where jalen ford is gonna fall yeah and i think you know if you're jalen ford you just <laughs> hope to go to a team that you can go cr- contribute to in a high manner because if you fall into a place where you know they need that that off ball linebacker, which a lot of teams do, because it isn't a you know it's an opposition you're going to spend a ton of money in a free agency. Those guys may not. They'll try and get one out of the draft and try and not you know skimp and save and not pay somebody a lot of money to have that position. You can get into a good if you're in a good place with other good linebackers, maybe a decent secondary. He could really step up and be a part of that team. Uh, so you know being drafted later is not the worst thing in the world. 
the worst thing is getting put on a team where you're having to do everything and it makes you look worse because now everything's your fault when the defense isn't working because you don't have any help. So if he gets put on a team where there's help out there, he could be a, a big piece of it. Uh, yeah, or a team where you know you're not a system fit, which yeah. I worry about with Demar Vion Overshown now with Mike Zimmer coming. Yeah. in. I'm not sure he's a system fit for Dan Quinn's system. He was perfect. Yeah, uh, but for that system, I'm not yeah. sure. I'll also throw in the fact of what they need versus what they have now, and where they may yeah. put him over there in that off ball and be like, "Look, we just need linebackers. We need linebackers and run yeah. support." And so we know this isn't your specialty, but you got to do this now. Yeah, we'll hear from Will McClay actually yeah. later on the show. The Cowboys talking about what they need and what they're eyeing at the combine. Um, but yeah, there you go. The Texas Longhorns uh, represented yesterday between Byron Murphy, Terrell Andre Sweat, and Jalen Ford. Today you'll have J.T. Sanders, who I've um, I, I, I've read some comments from J.T. Sanders because they're doing the the media rounds as well, and he says he expects to run around a four six, and. He, if you look at it, he probably has. I remember Pro Football Focus actually putting a, an article out there. He probably has the most to gain at the tight end position, um, even more so than a Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers is going to be drafted really high. He's a freak, considered a generational talent. And there's a precipitous drop, a huge gap between the two top tight ends in this draft, uh, in this class, and the rest of the tight yeah. end class. If JT Sanders can prove that his athletic profile and skill set is somewhat close to Brock Bowers and that Brock Bowers isn't far and away and athletically uh, he isn't um, a a huge distance away from J.T. Sanders and they are closer in athletic profile uh, than than we realize or that we anticipated, I think people will go back to J.T.'s film if he can show that athletically he's got, you know, measurements – that are similar to Brock Bowers or yeah. in the neighborhood of Brock Bowers. Now, I think that's what he's got to try to do. And we'll see. I know Brock Bowers yesterday was not committed to doing all of the drills and doing everything yesterday. Oh, he doesn't need to. So yeah. he, he may sit it out, which doesn't necessarily help JT Sanders. He'll do it his pro day, though. Those numbers will come out eventually, uh, most likely for Brock Bowers. But he, you know, he doesn't need it. Uh, it would help out JT Sanders. I agree with you if he was able to get it close. But JT Sanders, I've also seen him talking a lot this week about blocking and that's one of those pieces that everyone's looking at about are you JT are you coming in if you come to the NFL are you going to be a blocking tight end as well because that bumps you up because Brock Bowers can block yeah Brock Bowers there's no really I don't even know if there's a, a flaw in his game I mean no. it's, he's yeah, I mean if there's a, a can't miss prospect he's pretty close to it in this draft class all right speaking of um, uh, draft uh, JT Sanders we got some sound from JT Sanders talking about the Texas Longhorns next year um, and some of the uh, the guys who you will be watching in 2024 on the 40 Acres. So we'll hear that sound when we go behind the burn-on's curtain. Also, Sark went on the All Facts No Breaks podcast with Keyshawn Johnson. There are a couple of pieces of audio we're going to play there, so we'll talk some Texas football on the other side. We're from these draft prospects talking about their former teammates and what the expectations are for some of the breakout stars for the Longhorns uh, in 2024. We'll do that when we come back. Uh, this is the Rodcast, but it's the Rodcast with my man Patrick Davis. I'm Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers right here on the Horn. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadcast on the horn. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? Some Texas football. Well, we actually been talking Texas football. We're talking about the prospects coming out in the NFL draft and their performance at the Combine. But I want to talk about the players uh, on the 40 Acres right now. Sark went on the All Facts no breaks podcast with Keyshawn Johnson. Um, and it was actually a really good interview. And there are a couple of uh, tidbits, a couple of nuggets I want to bring up. First, Sark was asked about, of course, the quarterback uh, room because Quinn is expected to actually, I want to say I saw today that Quinn had the tied for the best odds to win the Heisman. So a lot of expectations on Quinn as well as should be, uh, returning for Texas first year in the SEC, coming off a Final Four appearance. And, of course, you have Arch Manning behind Quinn Ewers, uh, who is part of the first family of football, and there's been a lot of hype surrounding Arch Manning, as there, there are around any Mannings. And here's what Steve Sarkeesian had to say about that situation of Arch Manning and the Manning family being patient. Um, a lot of people thought that Arch Manning might want to transfer, wouldn't be willing to sit for two years behind Quinn Ewers, but that's not the case. He is willing to sit behind Quinn and learn the system. Here's Sark talking about that quarterback room for the Longhorns. Well, I just think this, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit old school on some of this stuff, and I, I, I understand that, you know, in this day and age of recruiting and social media and what's going on, everybody – you know, wants to be the five star and come in right away and have instant impact and things of that nature. Um, but I'm a little bit of the belief of there's a there's a developmental side to our game um, so that when you do play, you play great football and that you have longevity in your career uh, when you do get to the NFL because you're prepared uh, for that time when you get there. And I think for Quinn, um, you know, having one more season of, of starting, getting getting his start number up into the 30s, uh, as a bona fide starter, being a leader of a team, continuing to mature, uh, staying healthy, things of that nature. And I think for Arch, what a great opportunity as a backup now this year in his in his second season, going to get some definite playing time. And we're looking forward to him doing that, watching his maturation and growth. I think for the both of these guys, it's going to be the best for them for their futures uh, so that they can play the best football. So we're fortunate. Um you know, I've, I've never not been anywhere where we haven't had quarterbacks. And so we're fortunate to have those two guys right now um, as guys that can go out and lead our offense and lead our team. Yeah, quarterbacks obviously like Sark's system. And, I mean, the, the Manning family, <laughs> they approved this message. I mean, the, the Manning family signed off on, you know, the, the one of their members of the first family of football being mentored by Steve Sarkeesian, playing in that Steve Sarkeesian system. And I'm sure they broke down the X's and O's of that Sark system. So it is a quarterback-friendly system that quarterbacks want to play in, so you can always help helps you recruit big-time quarterbacks and helps you recruit big-time skill talent. Um, there's audio, my man Patrick Porter, J.T. Sanders. He was talking to Chris Sims, actually, in Pro Football Talk. 
and he was talking to them about his recruitment to Texas, and they go through a lot of different uh, topics. And then they actually start asking him about the, uh, you know, him being an athlete coming into Texas and choosing offense or defense. And he tells you why he chose offense uh, inevitably. And I think it's pretty interesting. Here is JT Sanders. Five-star recruit, excuse me, got offers from Texas, Alabama, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, LSU, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Texas A&M. How do you pick Texas when you got all these great schools that Mm -hmm. want you? So Texas just really showed me that they wanted me. They was really, like, after the recruiting process, they really still recruiting me the most, if you get what I'm saying. Like, it was despite uh, getting offers from Bama and stuff, they still, Herman was still pushing on me hard, and I kind of took that to heart, and and that kind of resolved with me. And right. it just felt like home, uh, better for my family, only three hours away from my hometown, Denton, Texas. So I know my family's going to better make it to all the home games. So it was just really a business decision. Yeah, business. I always I want to joke when they say that thing. I'm going to be like, you mean the bag of cash was bigger? The, you know, oh, see, <laughs> my freshman year, we didn't, NIL wasn't even a thing. So. I know. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. So you got to see that whole change. Yep. Actually, since we're there, take us through that. Like, what was it like at college? Your, your first year, you're probably yeah. like, damn, I, I yeah. don't have enough money to eat a third meal. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it was kind of hard just living Going out there. Going to Jester dorm, yeah, exactly. Right? Jester, yes. Uh, Cypress under the sand jag. It was kind of, it was kind of hard. You know All what right. I'm saying? Yeah. So then, what happened when it came NIL? Tell tell us how life changed a little bit. Uh, it actually changed a lot. I, I got to be able to help my family out more financially, also myself as well. And it's just, uh, I'm just thankful for being able to have the opportunity to to help my family out. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I hear you. You played receiver and defensive end in high school. Yep. How did you settle on tight end? So. Uh, Herman wanted me to play both sides. He crewed me as an athlete. But when Sark got the job, I, I kind of knew I was too big to play receiver. Yeah. I didn't really want to play defense, especially Sark coming off that uh, national championship by Bama, watching that game. I definitely wanted to be a part of that offense. So I kind of knew I was already going to be in that tight end position. Right. Yeah, so there you go. Watching that game, oh, I knew I wanted to be a part of that offense. And I think and there have been several players that have hinted at that, right? Isaiah Bond essentially said that uh, when he said, you know, just like the business world, um, you make the best decision for your company. Uh, my company right now is my draft stock. I feel like I'm putting myself in position to increase that and have better draft stock. I mean, this is a player that watched Sark's offense when they came to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama this year. And Alabama ended up obviously finishing uh, in the Final Four too. But he watched that offense, and I had to be a big part of how appealing it was. And remember, Sark recruited Isaiah Bond. This goes, he actually talked about this in the – all facts, no breaks podcast that he recruited Isaiah Bond, uh, lost out on that recruitment to Alabama, and talked about how that relationship that he had cultivated really paid off, paid huge dividends when the transfer portal opened up, because obviously because Nick Saban retired. And then he said immediately, right after that, right, right when the transfer portal opened up, I'll get the, uh, the quote from Sark here. Uh, but Sark says, uh, basically, he went, as soon as Isaiah Bond went into the portal, he flew to Georgia to meet with his family and Bond and his parents immediately. Yeah. And then when Bond visited Texas, <laughs> he committed on, his, on the visit. It, it, was, it was no time at all. It was quick. And everybody remembers how quickly it happened. Well, it was because they had the previous relationship. And I think Isaiah Bond wanted to play in that offense after watching that offense, just like JT Sanders watched that offense. thought to myself, I want to play in that. It's a huge recruiting tool for Sarkis. 
that's that offense is enjoyable to watch. It is exciting. It is aesthetically pleasing. You know, Lowen fans, they remember winning the championship with, you know, VY and Greg Davis calling the plays, but Lowen fans never liked Greg Davis's offense. They were complaining about Greg Davis's offense even when I was playing and he was still breaking records and setting records at Texas. But they don't complain about Sark's offense as much. I say as much because Lowen fans complain about anything, and I'm part of that. Uh, but they don't complain about, complain about it as much because it is an enjoyable offense to watch. It's aesthetically pleasing. And I think. It also helps him recruit high-level talent at quarterback and at tight end and at wide receiver and at running back, too. Yeah. No, I mean, that ability to throw the long ball, everybody wants to be a part of a team that, you know, you have that explosive play, and Sark's, you know, he's built about the explosive play. You know, a lot of other offensive coordinators love the screen game, love, you know, trying to get something where maybe we'll break something out of it. Sark does every play with the hope of it being an explosive play, and then sometimes yes. he'll set up. If he has a fault, it's because he tries too hard to get the explosive play instead of sometimes just going to pick up the seven yards and making a manageable second down or third down. He, he'll still say, well, you know, on first down, let's chunk it down the field. And then what are we going to do on second down? Well, we'll chunk it down the field. <laughs> like, well, now it's third down. What are you going to do? Well, I got to chunk it down the field. Chunk it down now. the field. So <laughs> it's third long. But if you're a fan, you go, well, at least those were three fun plays. And, you know, yeah. it's much better than, well, we ran three bubble screens in a row and we got four yards. And I hate this guy. He's the worst. Yeah. Let's go get that's a plane and, and tell everybody how much I hate him. <laughs> that's, a great, that's, a, that's a great point. And I will say this about Sark. He threw it. He started taking fewer shots yeah. downfield on first down as the season went on. I, I think that was his evolution as a play caller. But, yeah, one time, frustratingly, he would just take shots on first down, down the field, incomplete deep shot, and then you're in second long, and you're like, well, you got to throw it in second and long because you don't have Bijan and Rojo in the backfield to help you out. So it's a great point. But that's that. also, okay, so, and that's also some of Quinn's evolution of being able to read the true. defense a little bit better, that Stark would send him out there and go, well, if it's, if it's open on first down, go for it. Quinn said, sure, I think it's open. I can make that pass. And they've, right. He's evolved a little bit more into going, oh, no, they're, they're back. Let's not, let's not waste this first down because I don't yes. want to be sitting back here trying to take a hit on third down when I screwed it up on first down and didn't get any yards. So I'll check into this play and we can move on. Yeah, let's work smarter, not harder. Exactly. Guys. So that, that's the evolution. And when we talk about Sark saying the evolution of Quinn another year in the system, you get that another year of an evolution of being able to pick the right play out of what Sark's got for him. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. All right, so real quick before we get out of here, J.T. Sanders and Byron Murphy at the Combine were being asked about who they should, like basically some of the players who could be breakout candidates for the Longhorns uh, in 2024. Uh, J.T. Sanders had some glowing remarks about one John Tay Cook. Uh, can we play this audio, Patrick, real quick? Here is uh, J.T. Sanders on John Tay Cook. John Tay Cook, actually, uh, you know, uh, he, he had a dominant high school career, and when, when he gets his opportunity, I know he's going to go out there and make his plays for sure. What, what can you tell us about John? Like, what kind of receiver is John Tate? What do you see? Oh, uh, I feel like he's a miniature Zay, you know what I'm saying? Uh, getting to play under Zay his freshman year and just look at the things Zay did. Uh, I feel like that's how Sark's going to use him as well. He got, the, he got the play speed. He got the catch radius. He got the hands. He has the IQ, has the smartness, all that. All right, so I, the way he's talking about it, he's going to use him like X-Men. Well, X-Men was, was let, led the team in targets. 
is Jontae Cook going to lead the team in targets, or will it be Isaiah Bond? I think right now the belief is Isaiah Bond is going to be that guy, and Jontae Cook might be the second receiver, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it could end up being – Jontae Cook's got more familiarity and knowledge of the system. He's got more chemistry with Quinn Ewers because he's been here. Yep. Those other guys haven't. It, it depends on whoever Sark wants to force feed the football to. Yeah, and I mean, to. and then you talk about the other transfers. Ryan Wingo's having great reports of what he's coming up. That there may that be is, more yeah. wide receiver rotation than we've seen the last couple of years. Because we know last year he had his dudes, and that was who was going out there. And so yeah, we may no, see more rotation, some more guys, and then whoever performs well in games is going to start getting those. But I, you know, I don't know if preseason, other than Isaiah Bond, there's a sure thing this guy's our number one, number two. I think Isaiah Bond's as close as you can get to the number one. I think Jontae Cook is definitely going to be in that circle. But yeah, you're yeah. right. You, you, you're going to expand that circle of trust of wide receivers this year. All right, one more clip I want to get to before we get out of here. Uh, Byron Murphy was also asked the very same question. Who should Longhorn fans be on the lookout as a breakout candidate uh, for the Longhorns going forward? Here's what Byron Murphy had to say. Uh, I say on defense, I'm pretty sure y'all heard of him. He's a freshman. I say Anthony Hill. And I say uh, when it's time for him, you know, for him to come, you know, and uh, do this process, I feel like he's going to be a first-round guy. So just be on the lookout for him. All right, first round guy. I said it yesterday. If he's going to be a first round guy, y'all y'all heard this controversy about what's going on at LSU about how to use Harold Perkins. Yeah. Whether he should be playing off ball linebacker or playing the edge. Same conversation people are having about Michael Parsons. Right? Should he be on the edge or should he be playing off ball linebacker? Even Stephen Jones made a comment that he thought Michael would be doing more linebacking in 2023, <laughs> but he was on the edge more. As we just pointed out, when he's on the edge, teams have figured out, well, he's, not a great, he's an average run stopper, but he's an elite pass rusher. So let's just run. Yeah. And he's, let's, just, let's just run at him instead of you know, dropping back to pass and then him freakishly coming off the edge as one of the elite pass rushers in the league. And that's why he's got to change his game. He's got to become a better run stuffer um, in addition to being an elite pass rusher. But that's the conversation I think that we're having with Anthony Hill too. You can't just leave him at off-ball linebacker the entire time. I'd like to see them move him around, put him on the edge, blitz him up the interior gaps, and make him a movable chess piece rather than keeping him at off-ball linebacker. But you can only do that if – you have competent, capable play at the other off-ball linebacker so that you can stabilize your central nervous system of your defense. Otherwise, you're going to have to keep them there just to keep it stabilized because you don't know how many, you don't know how many guys that you can count on with consistent play there in, in the interior of your defense. Yes, sir. So. Uh, all right, I know we went over there, but that was well worth it. Thanks to my man Patrick for all the audio. We come back, um, we'll get into a little uh, off the record on the other side. Talk some, uh, we'll get into some fun conversation and some of the, uh, the off the record items of the day right here on the broadcast with myself, Rod Babers, and my man Patrick Davis right here on the horn. DD Mega Doo Doo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get a brain man comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, welcome back to another edition of Off the Record. And this one... Um, is a story that I'm sure Jerry Jones is not happy about. A Dallas County judge ordered Wednesday that Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones must take a paternity test 
in a lawsuit filed by a woman claiming to be Jones's daughter. In a uh, defamation complaint, the woman, Alexandra Davis, alleged Jones, uh, Donald Jack, the lawyer, and the consultant, Jim Wilkinson, portrayed her as an extortionist. Uh, Davis's lawyer, Chris Hayes, called today a huge victory for many families. Judge Sandra Jackson of the 302nd District Court uh, will be presiding over the case. Um, and essentially, yeah, Jerry Jones got to take a DNA test to uh, basically prove, disprove or prove that this young lady is or isn't his biological daughter. Yeah, straight up Mari Povich style, man. Oh. You are the father. Is, what do you think we're going to have here? Not what? the father. Or he's going to be the father. I mean, it feels like. There's got to be so much evidence for the court to be like, well, yeah, clearly, like, you're the. Now, if he's not, I want to see the Maury Povich dance he does. (laughs) I want to see Jerry Jones just dancing around doing the run, doing that run across. And I told you that baby don't look like me. <laughs> when, when they no, get on there, and the, that's a good point. That that one, like, look at him in his big old ears. That I got, I got beers like that. Is <laughs> uh, Jerry Jones does like to put on the show now. He, he does. does like to put on the show. Uh, but yeah, man, this is. I mean, he thought he was the father, right? Because didn't he? Wasn't he paying? Like on the side, little yeah. hush money for to keep this thing quiet. So maybe it was just it was just easier to do that rather than have to uh, prove it or disprove it. But for the young lady, I imagine for her, this is about getting in the will. Right? Yeah, but you're not gonna she, get in the will. I think what it is because she was already on that reality show, right? She was part of a reality show before. She was a part of a reality show, but this would get. I mean, you you would have case to be in the will if you're actually. You have a case, but if he picks it and he's like, "Well, guess who I don't like? The lady who sued me and made everybody realize I had an illegitimate kid." Maybe you're not in the will. Maybe not, but I I, I, I think I think that she knows that she's like, look, my life will be. Like with everything else, if I'm Jerry Jones' daughter, then I can go do the other things I can do because now that's a story, and I'm in the news, and I'm a piece of it, and I can do that. And maybe maybe she just wants the closure, and she wants the medical history and all of that. Maybe it's all that. Maybe it's it's better. Good, but I I have to imagine it has to do with money. Clearly, you're not gonna. But maybe she wants to know who her father is too. That's, I, that's that probably that. part she of it. His long life but, journey. That's probably you know. Man, if those results come back that it's not him. That would be hilarious. Man, how like that is not him. That what conversation? The look she gives to her mom. If that like happens. You, yeah. Right. You uh, philandering. You yeah, philandering yeah. and oh, I was also hanging out with Dan Snyder though, so I don't <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At least she at least she knows how to choose choose him. Uh, mom does, all right. Hey, mom, she goes after them big fish. So there you go. Jerry does, Jones. We'll have if, to take a paternity test. If he if he is the father, can we say that uh, he has in the past then gone all in? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, he's definitely done it a he's, couple he's of times. Gone, he's gone all in. He's gone. I mean, did you did you see did, that? He, did he meet her at like a did he meet her at like an airport ticket counter? I want to say was oh, that the that sounds. Do about I remember right. that being the story? I think I got to go back and research. I saw, I swear that was like the beginning of the too way many, he met the mom. Too many cocktails at the the I, uh, the first I, class lounge for Jerry. I don't know. I got I got to go see where this woman worked in the mom. But I thought I remember that being like a random detail. Uh, there you go, Jerry Jones. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, he's got to take up attorney. That is one way to get your own private jet. Your wife allowed you to get a private jet. If you if you cheat on your wife with with the the ticket lady at the airport. She's like, yeah, just go buy a plane now. You ain't no more <laughs> ticket ladies for you. 
Jerry. Well, then you gonna have a hot host. You gonna have a hot uh, stewardess though, and that's <laughs> you know what I mean. That's servicing the plane. No, it's yeah, gonna be all me. males. I'm hiring. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, there are a couple of random stories that also I wanted to get to. Um, apparently, two NFL prospects, uh, one being Tyler Owens, have they voiced their very strange belief systems. Tyler Owens uh, doesn't believe in space and believes the Earth is flat. Yep. He's also uh, expected to run the fastest forty time at the combine, too. By the way, yeah. No, he's yeah, fastest 40 and fastest to say the dumbest thing I've heard in a long time. <laughs> that was, yeah, that he said. Because, look, the flat earth thing, you know, I get, like, it's wrong. It's it's not right. Uh, but he, he even says in that, he goes, it's interesting, uh, that stuff. So I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But the I don't believe space is real, that's a new one to me. Yeah. That's, I, I did not tro- know. Is he trolling us? Is he trolling us? I don't know us? because there's the other guy who is trolling. Yes, this guy's trolling. Tip is it Tip uh, Reeman? Yeah, Tip Tip Reeman. He Tip he's Riemann? the one because he went with birds aren't real, which you can see those. There's like billboards and stickers everywhere. Birds aren't real, which is basically a fake conspiracy theory to make fun of other conspiracy theories. That so yes. it's all it was all created as basically a social experiment and this uh, you know saying that other conspiracy theories are crazy. So that was he was trolling on that one. He realized you know. I'm going to do the Will Levis. I put mayonnaise in my coffee, get the viral clips out about my name, and people will know who I am if I say this birds aren't real. I think he knew he, what he was doing there. But, yeah, Trey, I don't know. I don't know if that was it, – It's if he went to a different school, like if he went to – you know, he's coming in from Harvard, then he'd be like, I don't know, but he came from tech. So there's tech. already there's already a little yeah. bit of like, I don't know. Yeah. No, you're right about that. I don't – like I said, I, I hope that he was trolling us. Because if not, like I said, the, I the, don't uh, believe the Texas in Tech, space. Yeah, the Texas Tech higher education system is now, I think, should be questioned. <laughs> uh, but either way, there you go. That's some off the record. We come back. Uh, we'll have Rod's rant of the day where we'll talk about uh, factors that are affecting the draft stock of these Texas Longhorns. We'll also hear from Will McClay about what the Dallas Cowboys are uh, coveting at the NFL Combine. All that and more right here on the Rodcast. Uh, I am Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers with my co-host Patrick Davis right here on the Horn. 